Winter was here, but we are just getting started here on our rewatch of Season 3, Episode 9 of Game of Thrones. The reigns of Castamere now. Here are the two guys who have the reins falling from their cheeks as we are crying so sad about everything here from the Red Wedding. I'm Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Mmm, pig cheeks. They're yes. better than trotters, I think. Josh, no, we're we're not joking. It's just to give like a little bit of a buffer in case somebody has wandered in here thinking that they're listening to like the episode eight recap or the episode seven recap. We're talking about the penultimate episode of season three of Game of Thrones, which couldn't, you know, it contains, you know, among the, the biggest twists in the entire show. So if you're here by accident. Just get out of here now. Just like that. No, like we were good clip. for 29 of these podcasts yes. now. <laughs> 28, really. Uh, and then this one. Yeah. So here we go. It's time to, to say it. And it's crazy that we can say this in the spoiler free section of this podcast. But Rob Stark dead. Cat, Cat Stark. Stark dead. <laughs> so many people dead. Talissa. Army is dead. Talissa is dead. Oh, it's awful. It's a bloodbath and it's terrible. Yeah. Boy, I mean, this is one of the most iconic single episodes of television based on this. I mean, uh, Josh, can you paint the picture for anybody who's doing a first watch here through Game of Thrones? Can you just uh, set the scene of what it was like for people on June 2nd, 2013? Well, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit when we covered, I think, the death of Ned Stark in season one, where that was just like such a huge shock and it's such a huge mission statement for what Game of Thrones is and what it's willing to do in order to not only surprise the audience and the and the watcher, uh, but in order to like be very true and fair within the rules of its own universe. Like if somebody messes up, they pay the consequences, and often that is with their own head, as it was with Ned Stark. Um, and it was just—it was such an astonishing moment. There's great reaction videos to that all over the internet, and obviously, likewise with the Red Wedding, where this was really the big moment that people who had read the books knew was coming and anticipating eagerly to see how the show is going to translate this brutal moment. Um, in the in the accounts of people. Who who get to this scene while reading the book for the first time uh, and not having seen the show before. There are so many different stories about people who had to like close the book. And it happens about halfway into the third book of the series by George R. R. Martin. People who closed the book had to walk away from it. Um, many people who like threw their book across the room. You hear stories about that. George R. R. Martin himself has said that the Red Wedding was the last thing he wrote in the third book because it was just so painful for him to even commit it to paper. Uh, so that just gives you an idea of what it was like for that, that first wave of experiences. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people throwing their TV sets across the room, both because that would be physically laborious and also because it would be uh, an expensive, costly measure that you would uh, probably regret. But there are a lot of great reaction videos to people who are just like mind blown by the events of the Red Wedding. And it doesn't let up the way that it unfolds, uh, you know, with death after death after death uh, until it finally ends. And you're just at the end of that, just like, ah. 
why? Uh, it's pretty amazing. And the secret on it, I felt like, was kept pretty well from the from the book reading crowd who really did not tip this off to too many people. I think people probably felt like there was something coming up. I think that the words Red Wedding were probably already in the ether. But uh, I, my, my impression of it from my view of watching that episode, knowing what was coming up the first time, having read the book, uh, was that I, I felt like the vast majority of the Game of Thrones fandom walked away that Sunday night just barely walking at all. Yeah, I also think it was the moment that really put the show on the map as sort of like a appointment viewing and really put, gave the show sort of like national attention in terms of what was going on on a week to week basis. I don't think that there was too much of the Game of Thrones uh, spoiler culture that was seeping into the people that were watching the show on, you know, a Sunday night on HBO. So I do think that the worlds were a little bit more divided also at that point in time yeah i think so and i i think that's that's a really interesting point and i think when we think about um like spoiler culture now and uh you know certain certain story points that are you know barely being like vaguely suggested like as you and i are recording this right now it's april 2018 end of april 2018 and there's a relatively massive piece of pop culture that has just dropped into the ether that I will not identify by name, but I feel like people are talking about very casually online when there are some massive events contained within. And I feel like that kind of there's there's like a liberal attitude toward talking about um, like massive surprises contained within stories that I don't really feel like existed in the same way before the Red Wedding. But the Red Wedding was so brutal that it, it feels like it, it killed that politeness. Yes. <laughs> like another know, casualty. Exactly. Like people were like biting their their tongues for so long waiting for the Red Wedding. And then the Red Wedding popped and everybody lost their chill. Uh, so like all chill was intact until the Red Wedding. And then the chill was killed in the Red Wedding. Mm hmm. Also, that for people now after this night, I think that if you have a friend who says, hey, I just want to film you watching this show, I think you also know something is up. That's like the equivalent of seeing Bruce Bolton's chainmail. Yeah, you know, we're, you know, we, we obviously we podcast about scripted television here on post show recaps. But of course, if you are listening to post show recaps, there's a very good chance that you know what Rob has a podcast is, which is Rob's big survivor empire. Uh, and you had a live viewing, uh, of an episode of survivor about a year ago, uh, where I had already been able to see the episode and I was there and I knew that there was going to be a really devastating result at that tribal council. And I snuck into the corner of a of the room where I had like a great view of everybody watching the tribal council and was able to film this massive reaction. Uh, and I think that anybody who saw me and there were a couple of people that, that I knew who had seen me like get up to like record the reaction were like, Oh God, what's about to happen? And I do think that that is a tell now in terms of if you're watching a show or seeing a movie with friends uh, who have already seen the thing and suddenly you just like look and you notice that people are filming you. Uh, <laughs> you should be Get nervous out. for, Get for out. what is about to unfold on screen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Josh, I guess let's begin to discuss the actual episode proper. I mean, do you want to start with everything going on with the Red Wedding in the lead up to that? 
Yeah, I think let's talk that all through. I think that that also we have to incorporate some of the Arya stuff into there. But that is, uh, you know, that's really the the main meat, uh, the, the the precious the pork. pork, the salt the pork. Episode. Yes, the salted yeah. pork. And, you know, I, I had alluded to this on the last episode that I had thought that the episode was uh, a little bit more like a Blackwater type episode where it was more self-contained to what was going to be going on with the Red Wedding. But no, that's really not the case. It's sort of like a bookends the episode. I think we check in one other time in the middle with what's going on with Rob Stark. But really, we see them arrive at the twins early in the episode. And then we spend the last eight or nine minutes of the episode with them. But lots of other stuff going on in the middle. Lots of other stuff going on in the middle. You know, I've I've long said that I think the Reigns of Castamere is the best episode of Game of Thrones, certainly through three seasons that we've covered on this podcast so far. I'll I'll tell you that in my rewatching of the episode, while I was as impressed with the Red Wedding uh, sequence as I've ever been, I feel like as an episode, yeah, I do think maybe Blackwater is the better episode. Is that controversial? Uh, no, uh, well, I, it might be controversial, but I agree with it. I think that okay, there are yeah. uh, some points in the middle that are pretty you know uh ho-hum as far as like sequences and as far as just like walking away from game of thrones with your jaw on the ground i don't know that the reigns of castamere's red wedding sequence has been topped uh through this point in the show uh but just as a as an episode itself with such like a clarity of vision and focus i think blackwater that's really hard to top uh my respect for blackwater the tighter hour yeah exactly totally so just like as an episode i think that's a, a stronger episode but the sequence here is is the king um but yeah let's talk about it let's let's uh let's roll up to the twins i mean i guess the episode begins with rob and catlin doing some strategizing about uh is it a good idea or a bad idea to go and try to conquer casterly rock we could pick that apart if you want but it's kind of a moot point (laughs) yeah by the end of the episode well what's interesting though is that for the first time in about a season rob has kind of brought cat back into the fold where you know he was so upset with her but then he sort of like uh brings her back as an advisor and uh she is on board with the plan she's on board with the plan uh because they'll have enough men to execute it as long as walter frey cooperates uh which is a big if um and as we come to learn there will be no cooperation Mm -hmm. right and so cat ultimately when rob asks her about this plan where it's dangerous you know they could get caught between the sea and uh, tywin's army and they could lose everything and cat says no let's do it show them how it feels to lose what they love which it's not really gonna happen to them but more of what will happen to the starks you know, it's if if you have been, you know, listening to these podcasts and you've been watching Game of Thrones for the very first time through this experience, the rewatch is so much fun because the especially the red wedding setup, it's everywhere. It's just it, there's so much loaded irony uh, baked into the to the Stark storyline when you know where it's going, where you know it's going to have this really apocalyptic ending for these characters. Uh, and just even within this own episode, um, like you just said, like, let's show them what it's like to watch who you love die. It's like, oh, Catelyn, uh, <laughs> that's going to be those are going to be very sad words for you later on in this uh, very episode. <laughs> right 
So we get to the twins and we see uh, Walder Frey welcoming in the Stark army and he serves the customary bread and salt. Uh, Josh, can you set up the significance of that? Yeah, so the bread and salt is basically, you know, in Westeros, if you are if you're at war or you're in conflict with another house and you're having basically a parlay, like you're having a moment to just like lay down your arms and discuss terms with the enemy. If you're going into somebody's home and you're eating uh, the bread and salt that is offered by uh, by the Lord, by the noble family, that is basically you are safe. Nothing will happen here. We are not fighting at this moment in time. You will walk in here alive and you will leave here alive. Like it's a guarantee. So uh, that is certainly contributing, I think, to the feeling of the Starks just like feeling disarmed coming in to the twins. Yes. And so there's offering the bread looked pretty good, by the way. Yeah, like I don't know. It doesn't look like bread, though. It looks kind of like uh, calamari. Kind of looked like calamari. Uh, they looked like really nice croutons, I thought. Um, some sort of like, I don't know, like fried finger food look pretty good. Yeah. And so once you offer your hospitality to somebody in Westeros, your protection to them, that that's a really a big deal to break that. Yeah, to break that is really uh, among the lowest things you can do. Uh, it is just like a completely unfair move. It is just it's it's so uncouth mm-hmm. uh, to to do such a thing. Uh, but you know, maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that Walder Frey is willing to make a move like that, considering everything else we've seen from him so far. And even in this scene where he's like, "Rob, you suck." You there were hundreds of different daughters you could have married here. You could have you could have married Freya or Marianne or whatever that one's name is. Yeah. Uh, it's like Wertha, Waldra, Waldina. I'm Mary. My name's Mary. It's not even a W name. Yeah. No, uh, Walder Frey is amazing uh, throughout this. Uh, like He has like this long monologue where he's like naming all of his heirs, all the people that Rob Stark could have gone after. And Rob Stark, you know, gives a big apology. And Walder Frey, you know, he's like toying with them. And he basically says, oh, no, I get it. I get it. And then he starts to talk about uh, Talissa and some of her physical characteristics. Yeah. And Rob, who is like, you know, he, he's doing a good job. He has a really good apology to all of the daughters and granddaughters of Walder Frey. Um, and he is like seconds away from losing it here uh, with with Walder Frey when he is going after Talissa and saying, oh, she's very pretty, shapely, you know, you, you know, very shapely. I know what's going on under that dress. And Rob is just like chewing through his tongue. Uh, maybe would have been a solid move if Rob Stark had gotten angry enough to just turn around and leave at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gone that far. We're not we're not ready to do like the Red Wedding stuff yet. We just blew it completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Maybe that would have been, you know, that would have been fortuitous if uh, if Walter Frey had overplayed his uh, position and Rob Stark left angry. He's a real piece of work, Walter Frey. He is. He's terrible. You get why nobody likes him. Yes, very much. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. 
Okay, well, to make everything line up, I guess uh, let's talk about the Arya stuff as we uh, go through. And uh, we see Arya continuing her march towards the twins as well with the Hound. And they come upon a a wine merchant uh, or a salt pork merchant. And let's call him a swine merchant and uh, <laughs> yes. split the difference. Yes. Okay. And the the hound is uh, basically mugged this guy and uh, he's going to kill him. And Arya says, no, don't do it. Yeah, please don't do that. Uh, You know, he's just like a drunk old guy who doesn't seem like he's, you know, he's he's, you know, going to bother anybody, really. Uh, It's interesting that there's kind of a similar story going on with with Jon Snow in this episode as well. of Just like these Stark kids who don't want innocent people to get killed and they're really going out of their way to make sure it doesn't happen. Um, But Arya is is really insistent with the Hound, like, please don't kill him. You do not have to kill this guy. And eventually the Hound's like, all right, fine, that's 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 great. You're very kind, Arya Stark. Someday it'll get you killed. And then Arya proves just how kind she is when the old man wakes up and she just immediately knocks him out. So it's like she's kind, but not like that kind. Well, she's trying to get the hound to not kill that guy. And she tells him she warns him. She's like, I know a real killer who will, you know, be able to, uh, you know, kill you like nothing. And the hound has a great line. He says, is it that guy? And she's like, she's no, like, no. Like, OK, so he goes back. To, he's going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a really good moment. Yeah. <laughs> the dynamic between these two characters is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, there is also some conversation about how that the hound can tell Arya is very scared that she's so close to her family. She's right there and she's worried she's not going to make it. And uh, yeah, for good reason. Yeah, he's like the closer you get, the more afraid you're gonna get that uh, that you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. She might know and, the spoilers. Yeah, it's like somebody like he read the book. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Hound is a big fan of the source material upon which Game of Thrones is based. Yeah, and again, Arya very threatening to the Hound that uh, someday I'm gonna put a sword through your eye and pull it out the back of your skull. Well, that's because the hound's really needling her, uh, you know, R.I.P. needle. We haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, but he's talking about how, you know, this is the closest you've been to your family since Ilan Payne snipped your daddy's neck. It's like, all right, once you're once you're talking about Ned Stark, once you're like spitting on Ned Stark's grave, that's going to get you a death threat from Arya Stark. That feels fair. Mm hmm. Yeah, but she, she's unafraid of this guy. Like she's afraid that she's not going to reunite with her family, but she's not afraid to stand up to the hound. So we end up later on, we see some shots of the Stark army, uh, you know, uh, partying. And then we finally see inside at the wedding and Edmure gets to meet his bride. And uh, she's pretty. She's very pretty. And she says, I hope I'm not a disappointment to you. And he goes, you're a delight to me, my lady. And in that moment, my loathing of Edmure Tully just skyrockets. I feel like. Guys, he's such a he's such a scumbag throughout this whole thing. He's like, oh yeah, no, now I'm good. Like everything is great. Like when the blackfish says, he's like, in hey, love, Josh, with Rosalind <laughs> Frey. Let's not confuse love for a pretty face, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> As Walter Frey would say, uh, I like when the blackfish says, like, oh my nephew, the fool. Uh, and Catelyn's like, oh come on, be nice. He's like, I love him. He's my nephew, but he is a fool. Uh, and I think uh, since he is not my nephew, I will just say Edmertelli is a fool. Mm-hmm. I do not love him. Okay. Well, we 
see after the wedding, we check back in and we have uh, the big reception going on. And uh, we get the story of how Lord Bolton met his wife, uh, where he was promised a her weight in silver. Right? So he picked the uh, heaviest bride from Walter Frey. Yeah. So that's already like a clue that things are not going well with Roos Bolton, uh, that he is he is looped into the phrase. He is connected to these people. Uh, but, yeah, he could he could choose any one of Walder's daughters and he would get their weight in silver as a dowry. And he says, so I chose the fattest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Catelyn is like mortified. <laughs> she's like, I hope you, I hope she's making you very happy. He's like, oh, she's made me very rich. Yeah, it's like oh, Bruce Bolton, you are you are you are also a scumbag. Yeah, uh, we see the blackfish is going to step out to go to the bathroom. That was good timing. Great timing. If only everybody else had like the timing that the blackfish had. Uh, yeah, he had to relieve his bladder on a tree. So uh, I guess TBD as to what's going to happen with the blackfish, but he's certainly not in the room for the slaughter. Mm-hmm. So. Rob sees Kat talking to Roose Bolton and then he says to Talissa, oh, I better go rescue her. And Talissa's like, no, she's fine. She doesn't need any rescuing. Doesn't need any rescuing. Um, there's like some talk about uh, about Talissa not enjoying. Uh, she clearly is not a fan of the betting ceremony that's about to happen. No, she is not. And uh, these, uh, you know, mother-in-laws and uh, daughter-in-laws, that can be a trying relationship. Is that what you hear? That's what I hear mm. on good authority. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Walder Frey, he is going to begin the betting ceremony. He says a sword needs a sheath and a wedding needs a betting. Yeah. I think he was slurring his speech because he was so drunk. I think he meant to say a wedding needs a beheading. Oh. Yeah. Mm. That's, you know, he's, he's coming after all these guys. It's going to be pretty gnarly here in a second. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't get a good hate into Edmure before, uh, how about when he's telling the women that are escorting him up about uh, once you set his monster free, there's no caging him again? I think that's the big one that uh, or the little one, as it may be, uh, that really set me off with Edmure. It's just like, stop it, you loser. Just a little, <laughs> just like be quiet. You're the worst. You're the worst. Terrible character. Terrible <laughs> character. Right. Uh, we see uh, Kat Stark is talking with Roose Bolton about the betting ceremony, and we find out that uh, Ned Stark uh, shut it down. Yeah, uh, there was no uh, betting ceremony at the Ned and Catelyn wedding. Uh, Catelyn says that Ned thought it would be uh, it would not be a cool look if he broke somebody's jaw that night. Uh, nice to hear like these kind words about Ned Stark uh, all these seasons later. And, you know, among uh, indeed, the the final kind words that Catelyn will utter about her late husband. Yeah, she is about to join him. Well, he's really there in spirit because we hear his name come up as well for Rob and Talissa, where they're talking about the bedding ceremony and how it's tradition. And uh, this somehow ends up getting into the conversation about the baby. Is it a boy or a girl? And Talissa tells Rob that if it's a boy, the boy is going to be named Eddard Stark. Ned Stark. Yeah. Don't you want to teach little Ned Stark how to ride horses? Uh, And I've never been able to watch this scene any other way than knowing how it plays out next. But in that moment, I'm just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) 
oh god this is gonna be awful oh it's so awful they really really ramp it up here uh that's just like you know really baiting people along for the misery porn that is about to ensue it's coming it's coming although talissa where rob is like trying to give her a kiss a couple of seconds ago she's like don't insult them anymore like don't don't try to kiss me here and then she like like 10 seconds later she's like trying to make out with him well that's because it's like uh it's it's a metaphor for their whole relationship right like Mm -hmm. they shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't we must yes you know and then we dead we dead all right josh uh the doors close and now uh, the dj picks a uh, curious choice of music uh the reigns of castamere but that's a lannister song it's a lannister song and the fact that it is playing here at a stark event is something that should be raising more people's alarms than just Catwin Stark. But Catwin knows the tune. Clearly, there is a, you know, a look of concern that is on her face. And hopefully the audience knows the tune as well, or at least uh, can can recognize it to some degree. The show has really been trying to familiarize the viewers with this song. There's the scene uh, last week where where Cersei Lannister is talking with Marjorie Terrell and she is reciting the story of the reigns of Castamere, and that's clearly setting up what's happening here. There are a bunch of other instances that we've been marking along the way here on these podcasts as well, and now it's all culminating in this moment where she's like, I don't understand what's happening, but I know that it's not good. Yeah, it's an ominous song. It's an ominous song. Uh, it has even even the direwolf seems to know uh, the <laughs> seems to know what's coming with the reigns of Castamere. We see Greywind is in like a pen outside of the outside of the wedding hall and he's whimpering. He seems like, to know something's up. Yeah, these direwolves are are uh, are very in tune with the moment. Um, the Hound and Arya show up at the outskirts of the twins, and you know they're here. and And the Hound thinks that he's going to be, you know, he's going to get a hero's welcome once he gets inside. But they're being told to turn around. And in that moment, the Hound is like, "Oh God, okay, something's up here." Uh, and Arya is nowhere to be found. She's disappeared off the cart. Yeah, she ran away. She ran away. So we'll see what Arya is going to get into in a second. Uh, But then we go back in to the wedding hall and the Red Wedding. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Walter Frey is going to give another speech. He's got another monologue that he wants to give. And he said that, you know, he'd be remiss uh, that that he did not give them the hospitality they deserved. And Kat knows this is uh, things are getting bad. Yeah, so she's sitting with Roose Bolton, who has been like her unfortunate guest like all night long. She's just been attached to Roose Bolton. Uh, and he is uh, he's just staring her dead in the eye. He is making, uh, you know, no no bones about it, about what's about to happen. Um, and he like puts his arm on the table and she looks at his arm and like lifts up the the sleeve a little bit and sees that he's wearing chain mail underneath, which is the tell that the fit is about to hit the shan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's odd to have somebody wear chain mail to a formal occasion. Especially to like a black tie event. Like I feel like, uh, like a, you know, I don't think that you're wearing chain mail underneath all that. Unless something really bad is about to happen. And something very bad happens immediately. Uh, in this moment, she stands up. She smacks Bruce Bolton. So at least she gets that in before all of this breaks out. Uh, and she, she shouts to Rob to get out of here. But she's too late. The guy who, you know, the, the Frey cousin who'd been talking it up and yucking it up with Talisa Stark all night long. 
Wong gets to her and stabs her multiple times in the belly. Mm -hmm. And it is so brutal. It is despicably brutal. Yeah. She goes first. Rob Stark uh, gets hit by a bunch of the arrows. Uh, Does Cat Stark catch a couple of arrows too? She catches at least one uh, to like her shoulder that like sends her to the ground. Yeah, uh, she's 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 shot. She's caught in the crossfire as well. Rob is taking like it looks like five arrows. It's not a, it's bad. It's bad for Rob immediately. Yeah. And so they're sort of like on the floor trying to um, crawl around. Aria, she's like sneaking up. She has the presence of mind to sort of like be hiding and she sees a bunch of Stark men and then they get slaughtered. Yeah, she sees and like she's just like freaking out. She's you know, she sees that Grey Wind is in the pen nearby and she tries to get to him, but she can't before a bunch of Frey soldiers show up again and riddle Grey Wind with arrows. And she has to watch that as well. And it's like, how many more times can we just like deeply traumatize Arya Stark? Like <laughs> the show is so ruthless to her that she has to watch all of this happen. Um, and she's going to try and like run into the to the castle to see what she can do about it to, to stop this. And the hound is telling her it's too late. And he knocks her out and, and grabs her. So at least Arya is safe. And this is a big difference between the way that this scene plays out on the show versus the way it plays out in the book. I know you and I, we've covered this episode before once upon a long time ago. Uh, so we probably talked about it there. Uh, but in the the way that it unfolds in the book is like you're you're under the impression that Arya may have gotten killed at the Red Wedding as well. Like the way that they like they write that chapter, how Martin writes that chapter is like it's it, it's 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 it makes you think that she's gotten like axed to the back of the head because it's all from her perspective. And you don't hear from Arya again for a good long while within that book. So you're like, holy crap, did Arya Stark die as well, uh, only to get that relief later. At least the show doesn't do that to you. The show makes it clear that the Hound has knocked Arya out. Mm hmm. It's so so brutal that you don't need Arya Stark to to potentially be dead as well to feel the brutality of this moment. Josh, we didn't even mention Grey Wind also is lost at the yes. Red Wedding. Yes, shot to death. Poor Grey Wind. Uh, another dire wolf has has bitten the dust. So has gone off to meet Lady in the little dire wolf heaven in the sky. Mm-hmm. So we go back inside the reception hall and we see, uh, you know, Kat is like crawling around under the table. She's telling Rob to get out of there. And Rob is just like punch drunk. Like, uh, you know, he ends up like he's uh, rises to his feet. Walder Frey is like, oh, the king in the north rises. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's like he's crawled over to his wife, who at first, like it, it kind of looks like she's moving a little bit in like the first shot that you see of her. But by the time that he reaches her, she is unambiguously dead. Uh, you know, he puts his hand on her belly and it's just it's so wrenching. It's just so such a such a stark contrast mm-hmm. uh to to what they were you know talking about just a couple of minutes earlier and he stands up and catlin tries to to save his life with one last play but not quite yeah cat grabs walder's uh newest wife and says uh let it end let him go yeah uh 
she basically is threatening this this poor young woman who you know seems completely innocent other than you know having to be married to Walter Frey uh and she she promises vengeance and if if Lord Frey doesn't let Rob Stark leave she'll slit Walter Frey's wife's throat and there's like a long dramatic beat with the music swelling and for a moment you know there's there's just a little bit of hope that Walter Frey is going to play ball and he has some iconic words here I feel like where he says eh, I'll find another uh, and in that moment it's clear what's about to happen as Roos Bolton steps up to Rob Stark and passes along the message that Jamie Lannister asked him to send if you'll recall just a just an episode or so ago yes but that there was some miscommunication. I, yes. I don't know if <laughs> Jamie Lannister meant it as, uh, you know, give him my regards. And by regards, I mean, kill him. Stab him in the heart. Yeah, I feel like that Jamie Lannister was kind of flip when he's like, oh, yeah, send Rob Stark my regards. Yeah. Yeah. He says that to, if you don't remember, to, to Roos Bolton when they were parting ways at the end of the bear and the maiden fair, he says, if you're going to the wedding, give the Starks my regards. Uh, and so Roos Bolton indeed uh, says the Lannisters send their regards, which really, you know, if it wasn't clear already at this point, I think makes it clear that what has happened here was a Lannister plot. Uh, so Roos stabs Rob Stark in the heart, whose final words are mother. And then he drops and he dies. Mm-hmm. And then also cat, she slits Walder Frey's wife's throat, and then uh, she would suffer the same fate herself uh, a moment later. That final shot of the episode is one of the most upsetting things of all time. Uh, it is just—it is so tough to watch. Yeah, uh, I, did, I didn't why. I tried to turn my head. You and I were texting earlier uh, about, you know, just confirming what time we were on to do the podcast, and like I just finished watching the episode, and you said it doesn't get easier to watch. Like, no. It, it, it it really doesn't. There's there's never been an easy watch of the Red Wedding. It is always so harrowing. And for me, it's always this final scene. It's like Talisa getting stabbed in this final moment or the two for me. Uh, and the, just the look on Catelyn's face after she has slit the throat of Walder Frey's wife. And she's just clearly just already she's dead. You know, her throat isn't slit for another like 10 seconds, um, but she's already deceased. Uh, she's just the, the look on her face is is bone chilling. And then someone walks up behind her, slits her throat as if this has not already been so tremendously awful and uh, blood sprays from her throat. She drops to the ground and we are done with the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. You and I are not done because we still have a lot to talk about, but that is the final thing you see in this episode, and it is just... Bleh. Yeah. Ugh. The worst. Catelyn Stark, uh, she has been through a lot in the uh, three seasons of Game of Thrones. She's had a hard time. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very challenging time for Catelyn Stark. I mean, think about what's going on with Catelyn Stark in her final moments of life, not only witnessing the death of her firstborn child. Nobody suffered more, I think, in three seasons. She has no idea where what's going on with her daughters. Uh, for all she knows, Bran and Rickon are dead or at, at best missing an action. Uh, her husband has been beheaded. She's just been so desperate. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody who has just, Jon Snow is still alive. Yeah. And she hates Jon Snow. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's just, it's all so bad. It's all so bad for poor Catelyn Stark as she's, uh, as she's killed here. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible way to go. Hoster Tully died. 
Yeah. Poor Hoster Tully. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Okay. (laughs) So uh, we will, I'm sure, have more to say uh, later on when we get to spoilers in this episode. But let's talk about some of the other things that were going on here as well in the reigns of Castamir. And uh, a lot happening uh, outside of Yunkai. Yeah. Um, Basically, the plan to conquer Yunkai is coming into focus as Dario Naharis, who has pledged his allegiance to Daenerys Targaryen. He's cooking up a plan that there is like this back gate into Yunkai that his men use to sneak in and have sex with slaves, uh, which Dario Naharis is very quick to say, like, I don't do that. That's not my thing. I have no interest in slaves. A, a man cannot make love to property. Is mm-hmm. what he says. Yeah. So we're going to have Dario and Grey Worm and of course, Jorah in on this caper to break into the city of Yunkai. Yeah, and Barrist in the bold somewhere just stomping his feet mad that he was uh, dissed and not allowed to come along for the for the fight. He's got to <laughs> stay and guard the the Khaleesi. You got to guard the base. Yeah, poor Barrist. And so he's staying back with Daenerys and Jorah and Dario and Grey Worm are going to go in. Dario's like, well, they'll have to fight a few guards. And a few guards turns out to be like a hundred guards. <laughs> it's a lot of guards when they go in and they start this fight. Yeah, and even though Dario is very cocky, uh, really... Everything's fine. Everything is fine. It's all good. They fight a bunch of the Yunkish, uh, and then they show back up in Danny's camp. They're like, the city is yours. Dario Naharis has the flag. He's captured the flag, uh, and the Targaryen army has conquered another city in Slaver's Bay. Momentum. Yeah. yeah. Got a lot of momentum. The slave soldiers threw down their swords, so everything is looking good for Danny and uh we will uh check in with her uh, once again uh next week. Yeah. I wonder what she's going to be up to next. Okay. Yeah. Uh let let's talk about some of the other Starks and their adventures and uh Jon Snow. He has uh all they he's in the same place as Bran and his whole crew in the gift, Josh. Ships in the night. Uh, Bran and Rickon are in this windmill with Osha and Hodor and Jojen and Mira. They're you know seeking refuge here as they continue their trek north. Um, and John and his crew of wildlings. They have obviously they've crossed past the wall and they stumble upon like a an old man who has horses that supplies horses to the Night's Watch. And these guys want to kill him. And John, you know, being that he has not actually turned. Uh, uh, to the to the wildling side he tries to warn the guy the guy sneaks off but they catch up with him right outside of this windmill and uh oral really wants john to take this moment to prove his allegiance to the wildlings he says you should be the guy who kills the old man and john is not really gonna do it because he's not gonna kill an innocent guy so egret steps in and kills the guy mm-hmm yeah. And that's when the uh, Tormund and Oral, they, they know instantly then John is not who he says he is. And don't you think that like John could have like played it? I was like, I just really don't want to kill anyone who's just like, who, he's an old guy. He's innocent. I'll kill so many Night's Watch people. Trust me. Like, that'll be great once we get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that This went quickly in a bad place for Jon Snow. Yeah. And even Egret, like it's it's a cool scene because you get the sense that Egret is still willing to like fight with John. And if it wasn't for the fact that Tormund, uh, you know, Tormund tackles her and like restrains her and refuses to let her engage in the fight, you get the sense that she would have like kept fighting alongside John. 
but the fight, you know, develops the way that it does. John kills Oral, or at least kills his body, as it seems Oral is able to warg out one last time mm-hmm. before he dies, and he flies into the eagle, and the Terrifying. eagle flies flies into John's face. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a bad look. Uh, so John kills that guy, and he's able to escape, and Egret kind of just watches as uh, she's probably thinking about the new necklace that she is going to get for herself in the next <laughs> in the next little while. Yeah. Don't you think John should have brought Egret with him? Yeah, I think that would have been great. I think that that would have been the move. Um, but uh, alas, he did not. It seemed like it wasn't even a thought for him. Just, well, I think at that point, he was just like, shit, 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 shit. He just, like, he just mm-hmm. had to go. He just had to get out of there. It's a bad, bad deal. This is his moment. So he takes it and he escapes. And uh, TBD on how that will all play out. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bran and his crew, they are having uh, a uh, parallel experience as uh, they are up in that windmill that John is outside. And we see that Hodor is uh, getting very upset. He's uh, scared of the lightning. Yeah, there's a great line here where it's like, Hodor, stop Hodoring. Like, you know, <laughs> there's like, you know, using like Internet speak to to talk to Hodor here. I thought was pretty fun. Uh, but Hodor's freaking out because of all the weather outside. And Bran is able to calm him down, not with words, but by warging with wargs. Uh, he is able to to like transfer himself into Hodor and calm him down. And everybody's like, what did you do? He's like, I didn't do anything. Don't talk to me about that. Uh, but he uh, he has done something that we later learn is not possible anywhere uh, south of the wall, north of the wall, anywhere. Nobody should be able to do what Bran has just done in warging into another human being. Yeah. And Bran is able to give a pretty good assist by ending up warging into the dire wolves to uh, help out John in the battle against Oral. Yeah, so it's a it's a shame that these characters are not reuniting in this moment in a traditional sense, but it is cool that it's the, you know, it's the Stark brothers are fighting alongside each other in this moment. So this scene is is pretty neat. Like as much crap as we've given the the brand storyline and I'm sure, you know, continue to give some some well-deserved uh critiques to those characters. Uh I think in this moment at least, it's a it's a really cool scene that uh they have this this kind of epic team up happening here. We'll also see that there is going to be a little bit of a split up because uh, we hear Osha say she does not want to go north of the wall and she is going to take Rickon because that's no place for him either north of the wall. And so Osha and Rickon are going to split up from the uh, Bran, Jojin, Mira and Hodor group. And Osha probably on one level is like very bummed about it because she loves Bran. She wants to keep hanging out with Bran, but she also doesn't want to go north. So she's probably pretty happy about that. And she also hates Mira Reed. So yes. She's like, OK, great. I never have to see Mira Reed again. I will happily take this assignment. Yeah. And where are they off to, Josh? They're off to a place called the Last Hearth, which is uh, the castle of House Umber. Uh, if you'll recall, uh, the great John Umber, who we only saw in the first season of Game of Thrones. He was the guy great. Who's, you know, the meat was bloody tough. Uh, we haven't seen him again because the actor chose not to return or something happened. Who What's knows? his problem? I don't know, but maybe we'll see him again. Okay. All right. And so they are off. We also have uh, one other thing from this episode. Uh, Sam and Gilly uh, spotted and they are walking to the secret sally port yeah they're going to the night fort yeah 
And Sam that's, knows about it from nice. a book. And Gilly is like, wait a minute. You learn stuff just from looking at writing on pages? You're like a wizard. Oh, not really. Oh, man. <laughs> wizards on. Wizards on, oh. Rio. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's very he's very happy with that compliment. These two, by the way, and the baby are all doing amazingly well in terms of like their nerves, considering what just happened to them with the White Walker. Like, there's no mention of that at all. They're like, yeah, you know, that happened. Yeah, and we're just still doing our thing. Well, they've reached the wall, and Gilly is really impressed because her father told her that no wildling ever looked on the wall and lived, which that can't be right. Yeah, I mean, like, what happens? You look at the wall and you explode instantly? Like, oh, I looked at the wall 99 <laughs> times, Gilly! <laughs> oh, craster! You rascal! But you can't! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay away from that damn wall! Oh, Gilly! Uh, yeah, she's okay right now, you know? So, CBD on if craster's theory will uh, will hold out. I read 99 books. <laughs> Look where it got me. I'm a wizard. Yeah. Uh, All right. Josh, anything else you want to talk about from this episode before we talk spoilers? A wizard with the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Let's just go straight into the spoiler section. I think uh, we, have, we have well and thoroughly covered this episode, which is uh, it, it's a big one. It's a big one. A lot has happened. We kind of, you know, talked about it fairly clinically, uh, but it is it is it is devastating. It is brutal. It is obviously a huge game changer for the show where uh, we the Starks have been the heroes for the entirety of Game of Thrones. And now the Stark army in this War of the Five Kings has just sustained this devastating, seemingly insurmountable loss so the power shift in westeros is uh you can imagine is going to be pretty enormous after an event like this so uh just to emphasize that this is a this is an, a massive turning point for the show uh and it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here one episode left in season three to discuss and it was all because melisandra took the leech blood from gendry <laughs> that's exactly why this happened those damn leeches <laughs> okay I don't know if it was really from Gendry's blood. I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was from Gendry's blood. I think it was from uh, it was just bad decisions were made. Yeah. Yeah. What are bad you going to do? What are you going to do? OK. Oh, my God. Where do you want to discuss this? Lady Stoneheart? Lady Stoneheart is still happening? Sure. So uh, if you've stuck around uh, this far in. Uh, so there is there is a development in the book that kind of reverses a moment from the red wedding those who do not know uh catelyn stark does indeed get killed but then she comes back to life because she encounters uh beric dondarian and the brotherhood without banners and beric dondarian trades his final life for catelyn stark and he breathes his fire into her and she comes back and he dies and now she's lady stoneheart and she's in charge of the group formerly known as the brotherhood without banners and she dedicates the rest of her afterlife to hunting down Lannisters and Freys and avenging the Red Wedding. And it is seemingly a massive deal in the books, uh, but there is no sign of it happening whatsoever on the show. And we only have six episodes left of the Game of Thrones. Lady Stoneheart will never happen on yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. And it's not a thing that will ever happen on this show. Yeah, the internet did not have a lot of chill about the Lady Stoneheart following the Red Wedding, where it's like, ah, is Cat dead? Oh. 
I think the reason why is because um, like, don't so, be sad, everybody. I know. I know. Uh, I think the reason why is and you know, that's really interesting that I think that that's probably the moment that like leads to sort of the laxed attitude towards spoilers after that is she comes back in the epilogue of the third book, you know, like half a book after the Red Wedding occurs. Um, and so I think people left season three surprised people who had read the books left season three surprised that the final scene of season three was not a lady Stoneheart tease. And then they were all like, wait, what? And I think waiting around for a long time and like maybe, you know, season four, okay, it'll be the end of season four. A storm of swords is kind of being adapted across two seasons. She'll show up in season four. And then she doesn't show up in season four. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, that's where uh, much like uh, fans of the book are starting to come to grips with the fact that the books will probably never be finished. Uh, I think this is the moment where people start to you know, come to grips with the fact that Lady Stoneheart will probably never be adapted. Yeah. Josh, uh, anything else from the fallout of the Red Wedding that you want to touch on here from a spoiler perspective? I mean, only only to say that... Um, you know, the brutality isn't over, obviously, like there is still some Red Wedding fallout in the very next episode where one of like the worst, most disturbing images of all time on this show is about to come up with uh, with Rob Stark's severed uh, with his headless body with Grey Wind's head on the body is just so awful. Uh, so, no, not much else to say other than, uh, you know, it's it's hard to imagine like. It's it's impossible to imagine Game of Thrones without uh, this moment happening. Like it's impossible to think of like where we are with the White Walker War if Rob Stark and Catelyn Stark are all still in the mix. It's just it's such an important moment for for the show. Yeah, and let's go to Arya then because uh, there was a couple of moments with the Hound where uh, they both are doing some uh, prophesizing here. And we see the hound. He's the one who uh, tells to Arya about how she's so kind. One day that's going to get her killed. She also says that one of these days that she's going to put a sword through the hound's eye and out the back of his skull. Do you think either of those things will be true? I would be very surprised if Arya Stark kills the hound. Like that just does not feel like something that is going to happen. Um, You know, did she like shoot daggers at him when she parts ways with him at the end of season four? Does that shot daggers a little finger? Yeah, indeed. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the way that I could see that happening is if the hound gets killed in battle against the white walkers and then gets resurrected as a white and Arya stabs him through the eye that way. (laughs) Yeah. maybe, Maybe that would hold up. I think the likelier of the two predictions is you're very kind. Someday it will get you killed. I think is something that we could see with Arya Stark potentially, unfortunately, like I could, I could see the, the scenario where she is about to kill somebody And then she decides, no, I'm not going to do it. And then she gets killed. Uh, Like, I think something like that could happen. My mercy was greater than my wrath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, if only Sadiq had been around at the Red Wedding, maybe Catelyn Stark would have been okay. He could have patched her up. 
He would have been okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, all right. I want to talk about Bran and uh, his experience uh, with Hodor. And, you know, we've talked about since we saw Hodor's death back in season six of the show about, you know, what did Hodor know? When does Hodor have knowledge of his own demise from the, the entire time? Like, has he seen the future? Does he know where he's going? And Hodor is really freaked out here by the lightning, Josh. And do we have any sort of advanced read on why not Jojen or Mira but why the lightning is it anyway is it like the, does it remind him of his ultimate fate and, and the loud noises of what's going on at the uh, three-eyed ravens tree or it's just yeah. Hodor is scared of lightning no I think that I think that's an interesting uh, call because like, as, as you were saying that I was trying to think like how how is that gonna like really connect but maybe it's like the loud noises thing because like it is you know it, there is a true clamor of like skeletons mashing against a door as Hodor is holding it in his death and we know that his entire life Hodor has been connected to that moment um, the other thing too is like his brain was fried like he was struck by lightning. So maybe there's some sort of connection there. Uh, but yeah, it, this this scene watching Bran hijack Hodor uh, has some added weight to it that I've never been able to, to take because I've, I've never seen this episode in the context of knowing uh, Hodor's death coming up in, in season six. Um, but watching him like take over Hodor, it's kind of chilling knowing the the way that Hodor is going to go out is by Bran not only taking control over Hodor in this moment, but sort of, you know, tying that back to Hodor in the past and doing all sorts of crazy nosebleedy level stuff. So when John kills Orel and then uh, Orel shifts his consciousness to the eagle, do we ever see eagle Orel again? I don't remember. I don't remember if we see the eagle again or if that's it. Um, but man, if if uh, if he does return, it's not especially memorable. And then if he returns in the final six episodes of Game of Thrones, if we waste any time on Eagle Oral, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to yeah. be so freaking You don't mad. think we'll cut back to like Winterfell and then uh, Eagle Oral will be like sitting on like the windowsill, like waiting to fly in and peck John's eyes out? You know what would be really funny is if if that happens, but like it takes like, you know, five seconds of screen time and, you know, the Starks just being back and in control of Winterfell, just like shoot the bird with an arrow very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be OK with that. Like as long as it's like I'd be fine with a return of Oral the Eagle if it lasts for five seconds and it just ends with him being shot with an arrow. And that's that. Yeah. What do you think that's Oral the Eagle went on to go do? Uh, I don't know. Fly around with his other bird friends. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Pick, pick, pick at other people's faces. Yeah. Hang out with Sam the Eagle. <laughs> One more thing with uh, with the Bran storyline is uh, so Bran is going to send Rickon and Osha away because it's not safe north of the wall for those people. Uh, and he's like, all right, go to go to the last hearth. Uh, the umbers will protect You'll you. You'll be fine. You'll be totally fine. And Osha being like, we're going to be great. You and I are going to go on many great adventures together, Rickon. Everything's going to be A-OK. And obviously, all of that is going to go very poorly for yeah. everyone. Yeah. And, and through seven seasons, <laughs> Bran has expressed no remorse. He, he sent his brother off to die. He mm -hmm. doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah. I just wrote in my notes, oh, the adventures that Rickon <laughs> and Osha will have. Yeah. yeah. 
which is to say zero, zero adventures. No adventures, but no adventures. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? OK, uh, Josh, anything else from the reigns of Castamere? Um, I think one of the things that prevents this from being a better episode than Blackwater for me, not only like the the uh, relative lack of unity of vision uh, compared to Blackwater. I think that's the thing that really strengthens Blackwater over this as an episode uh, on the rewatch. Um, it's also, I think, like, again, like the. You, you've got so much of this guy who is playing Dario Naharis now who is not going to be a factor in the show ever again, you know, mm-hmm. basically after this. And so it's just it's weird that that scene, the whole scene in Yunkai just feels very odd and kind of out of place to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, the Dario, uh, just uh, that he's like a hot guy and he's like a charmer. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't hold up. Yeah, it holds I don't up pretty poorly. I don't know if yeah. it did hold up in 2013. Yeah, yeah, but I, 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 you know, I'd kind of forgotten like the extent of his involvement in this episode, and I think that he he does drag the episode down enough to to let Blackwater be the superior episode in my mind. Um, anything else from this episode before? Before we close out, there's the whole line that Gilly says to Sam, you're like a wizard that I think people are uh, very excited about as Sam continues to be an important person moving forward in Game of Thrones. Is this like maester foreshadowing? Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, we will ultimately see uh, Walder Frey pay for what he did here at the Red Wedding, where we will have that opening to uh, season seven, where Arya will be make it back to the twins and ultimately wipe everybody out. So at least uh, there is some vengeance for what we saw here. Yeah, the answer to the Red Wedding is is really fun. Uh, you know, that was that was a great moment that you and I watched together at that uh, at that premiere, uh, you know, a year or so ago at this point. I don't know how long ago. It's it getting close to a year. Jeez, yeah. time's flying, man. Yeah. It's so, crazy. It's all happening. All right, Josh, we've got one episode left here in season three. Misa. <laughs> yes, Misa. Misa, so happy. <laughs> Jar Jar, get out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Go back. Misa, love the old Dario. <laughs> <laughs> George R. Binks loves Dario Harris. Oh my God! Of course he does. The worst. Uh, yeah, one more episode of season three. One more episode of Winter was here with a spoiler-free section, Rob. So that's about to get killed off. Yeah, just like uh, everybody in the Red Wedding. Boom. Yeah, like yeah, we told so. you it was coming for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've known. So. Okay. All right, Josh. uh, Great stuff. Of course, uh, we will have a uh, Fear the Walking Dead recap up for you guys up on uh, post show recaps. And then, uh, Josh, is it true? Are the spoilers true that you will have uh, some MCU coverage coming? Yeah, the spoilers are true that there is some Avengers Infinity War podcast coverage coming your way to post show recaps this week. In fact, as you're listening to this, it's not impossible that the podcast is already available for you at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Jim Gibbons and I are going to be talking not only about Avengers, but we're going to use the opportunity to catch up on a whole lot of Marvel stuff that has happened since he and I last talked. We podcasted about the Defenders 
Once Upon a Time. And since then, The Punisher came to Netflix. Season two of Jessica Jones came to Netflix. Black Panther took over the universe. And Avengers Infinity War has dropped. So we will do our best to encompass all of that stuff in our upcoming podcast. It's going to be very fun. And of course, the Westworld podcast is back with uh, Josh Wiggler and Joe Garfine. I'll post your recaps as well. Yeah, very fun. Joe is on fire already. So those podcasts have been great. If you're following along with Westworld, they drop on Thursdays. So keep an eye out on podcasts, uh, on your podcast feed on Thursday. PostureRecaps.com slash Westworld is when that podcast will drop. All right. Uh, of course, follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He's at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sister. We'll be back next week with our season finale coverage of season three of Game of Thrones. Misa coming up on your Winter Was Here Game of Thrones podcast rewatch. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.